and, and we'll start recording. So we're in Isaiah 25 today, and um, like I, I was telling them last week, I said Isaiah is a very long book. There's like 66 chapters, so we may actually be in it till the end of the year. I don't know. This may be where we, we wrap up the calendar year. Um, but I've got us doing three chapters today unless we get really into something in one of them, and then we'll stop wherever we stop. So uh, we're going to start with God will swallow up death forever, which is, I think, awesome. I, I think that's a great place to start. And uh, hey, Bill, can you can you get me that again? The salt? Yeah. yeah. So, O oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. It almost starts, it almost sounds like a, a psalm, you know, at the beginning. And so we're praising God now. He says, I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Thank you. Plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is put down. So all the noise and the, the persecution, everything coming at them from foreigners, that being removed, he compares to the heat lessening because a cloud goes over. And we know that. Man, this, it's the time of year that we experience that, where we'll be really, really hot, and then we're like, oh, a storm's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> it just got really cool. <laughs> you know, really cool being 95, but it yeah. got really cool, you know. <laughs> Way cooler than 120. <laughs> That's 25 degrees. So the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. A feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. So that's the veil. The veil that's over everyone. He's going to swallow it up forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. Now, it's saying all people. Is that just this? It's saying all people? It's saying, well, it's all people. I mean, God, God's purpose, he, not his purpose, but he purposed mm -hmm. to save everyone. Right. The whole world, exactly. Mm -hmm. So there, there's an element of it that is saying not just for Israel, mm -hmm. for all the nations. I do think there's an element that, 
you know, unlike, unlike, um, you know, Calvinist and some different doctrines that say, no, God only intentionally saved some, or he chose who, Mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I was studying the idea of, of election and, um, and free will versus, you know, in, in, from a Hebraic perspective, Mm -hmm. there's this, there's the idea that there is a group that is chosen. However you become part of that group, you become chosen. So some people, you know, God's chosen people are the Jews. Some people are born Jewish and some people convert and align themselves and become, you know, at the point where you become part of Israel, you are chosen. You know what I mean? So, and chosen for a purpose. It's not, it's always, it's, they're chosen for a purpose. It's not just, I like you best. It's, you know, the Jews are the ones who were chosen to be entrusted with God's word, entrusted with the Torah, entrusted to be the ones through whom Messiah would come. And, and as those outside, as that, you know, as his coming opened up, that opportunity to be part of that people to others in the other nations. Yeah. And then those who align with Israel. And that's why Paul is always saying, you used to be Gentiles. Now you're part of the kingdom. Live like it. It's a different way of life. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so I, I do believe that God in purposed for everyone to be saved Mm -hmm. And at the end, you know, when we come to the judgment before God's throne, I'm not saying that everybody just gets to go in in a universalist kind of a, but God's too nice to send anybody away. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't, if you really don't want to be with God, even after you are in front of Mm -hmm. him, I don't think he'll force you to continue in his presence, but I think you're done. I I don't think he... You know, one of the problems I have with how a lot of the church has presented the idea of salvation, it, it's very, um, it's very abusive and manipulative mm-hmm. and, and power strong. strong, you know, mm-hmm. that, that God, God so loved the world that he died for us. And if you don't respond appropriately, then he will torture you in hell mm-hmm. forever. And I go, kind of, well, that, that's kind of like this opposite of his character. Yeah. Like to yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, but I feel like you started talking about somebody else when you got to the middle of that sentence, because <laughs> God so loved the world. He came to die for us. Doesn't actually fit with. And if we don't respond in exactly the right way, according to whatever your group says that is, then God is going to torture us in hell. For... No, yeah. no. Yeah. So, and, and it kind of goes to where, you know, it's not, it's not hippie Jesus. It's not, no, I love everybody. I'll, mm-hmm. You can all come in no matter what. But we also have to be aware that people are where they are in their life in ways that the only options that they, people make choices, but only the choices that they understand they have to make. Not everyone can see the choices. Not, ev- not everyone thinks the choices are for them, you know. And and so right, right. So at the point where you're standing before God, I have no doubt that He is perfectly capable of working out with you whatever needed to be worked out. Mm-hmm. 
and and bringing you, you know, if you, if, if but if you stand, and it, it does seem to indicate in Revelation that there will be people who don't want to be with him. Yeah. But I think if you go into the lake of fire, you're done. I don't think that it talks yeah. about hell and death and, you know, and Sheol, they, they will, they will be in there forever. But then it's, it also says no one can survive the second death, which is the lake of fire. Yeah. So if you go in, you don't survive it. You're not tormented. You're just, you have, if you are not right with God at that point, whatever is beyond that point you, is not for you. You can't do it. So, you know, I do believe that it, that his, you know, that it is from all people, but it, and I think that there's just, it's like an interesting swirl of context here because he talks about wiping the tears from all faces mm-hmm. and all. yeah and the reproach of his people you know the the hatred and the misunderstanding and the division that has been there between all the nations and his people mm-hmm. the the hatred that's come against his people th- that's all going to be removed from them mm-hmm. and taken away from all the earth I mean, it is, I think it is in the last days, but it, I think there is a gradual progressive. I think that one of the things that I, that I see as kind of a, like a big picture thing is when you enter the kingdom there are certain things that are supposed to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And some of my frustration stems from where I think the church, when everything separated pretty firmly in by 300 AD to where there was the Christian church and the Jewish mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. I feel like ever since then there have, there has been teaching against some of the things that were supposed to be part of coming to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And so I don't believe that God is going to punish people for not knowing what they didn't know. But I do think that like Israel, even when he's talking through the prophets and he says, I can't even blame you for all the evil that you're doing because the priests were supposed to teach you and they didn't. So you don't know, but then the priests didn't know because the priest before them didn't teach them. So none of you know, I get that, but that means these things are going to happen because, you know, I, I actually, one of the ways I've come to look at the, you know, God's law, the spiritual laws, if you will, my air quotes that you can't see on the recording. But um, if you think about the law, the laws of nature that we can study in the physical world, you know, we can measure the force of gravity. We can observe the, you know, uh, the speed of light can be, you know, not we can, it can be measured. We can, we can quantify and we can understand some of these things, you know. So we understand gravity. If you throw something up, it will come down. Unless, well, it eventually will. At some point, even if it's till it pops, that rubber's coming down. So that's right. That's right. So I really believe that. That the Torah, God, that when God gave his law, it was not, I've created these rules for you, my people of Israel, and I want you to live by these rules. So much as it was, 
Just like there are natural forces in the physical world, there are spiritual forces in the spiritual world. And you reap what you sow. That's, that is a spiritual law. It's a force. It, it happens. Right. And it's not that God's making stuff happen so much as God has explained. This is, these are the laws of the spiritual aspect of life. I'm telling you what they are. So, so the grace was in, I'm making this known to you. You are not in the garden. You are in a fallen world. You are in a world that I am redeeming and I invite you to partner with me in redeeming. But this is how the spiritual aspect of that works. And I'm letting you know. Now what you do with that is then up to you. And you will experience the consequences of the choice you make in that regard. So when, when he's, you know, I, people only know what they know. But I, I do believe that as people are saved and come to understanding of Yeshua, that the reproach of his people should be one of the things that is not there anymore. And it's very heartbreaking to me when I encounter it so strong in certain church communities because it's, it's just not, it's not supposed to be there. It's really not. It's just like how he found, um, Jehovah told us that life and death are in the tongue, in the power of the tongue. And he said, um, you can choose blessings and curses. Right. He said, but he says, choose blessings. He right, please choose blessings. Here's how to do it. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of like if a scientist came out and said, what goes up must come down. Please, please be aware of that. Don't, don't jump off buildings. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do, you have to know you're probably going to hit cement at some point. You know, you will land. And we wouldn't go, oh, what a mean scientist for threatening us with having us dashed on the ground if we jump. I should be allowed to jump off buildings anytime I want. Why is he doing that? Yeah. We don't have that response. <laughs> right. So when we are aware of what the spiritual laws are, we can make wise spiritual choices and we can partner with God in our own redoing and renewing. And we can, we can begin to bring that into the earth. Even just when Lisa and I were talking about, um, like the linen and the energy of linen, you know, and, and apparently like organic linen, whatever, whatever the measurement that they're, that they're measuring for the energy, it's like at a thousand Mm. and it is renewing and it is healing. Um, yeah. And wool is really high, Mm -hmm. but if you mix them, if you put them together, it neutralizes them. Wow. And and they they are not able to heal you, like they aren't able to to increase and and be, do good for your energy. Of course, I'm allergic to most wool, so it doesn't do much good for me anyway. So <laughs> so so as you know, as we join the kingdom, as we become part of this kingdom, people we understand, you know, and we grow in understanding, and our minds are renewed and. He is removing the reproach of his people from us. 
you know, the, removing the reproach of his people is like what allowed Ruth to say, no, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. And we are not at odds with Israel. You know, we're supposed to be having, having, you know, love and care the same way that God did. Um, yeah. And, and praying for the peace of Israel and, says, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And the word for salvation being Yeshua. So, you know, Yeshua who conquered, according to Paul, conquered death. You know, when you remove the curse of the law, what you remove is death. That's what that means. So when he was, when Paul said that, he's removed the curse of the of the law. This is what he's referencing. He's removed wow. death. Wow. When because it's it's basically basically as if, if as if he had said, according to the spiritual laws of how the earth works, if you sin, you die. But because of what Yeshua did your sins will not result in your spiritual death. Wow. So it's like saying you can jump off of that building mm-hmm. yeah. and you, and I'll catch you. Yeah. You okay. won't hit the pavement. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So that's how he intervened. That's what he did for us. He didn't take away the laws. Right. He just stepped in so that the very real consequences of violating those spiritual laws mm-hmm. does not get applied to us. We are no longer separated from God no matter what we do because we don't understand better. Right. You know, right. you can't base our salvation on our understanding because the whole reason we needed salvation is we don't understand. Exactly. That's I mean. Yeah, from here to here. Exactly. It's like, okay. That's awesome, because I, I, I know that, you know, that Yeshua is throughout the whole Bible, and like, as we read this, and it says, his salvation, and even in 91st Psalms, like, mm-hmm. the last word is, you have given us your salvation. Right, and it's right. And reminding us over and over that Yeshua is our salvation. And I, right. and I heard something the other night, um, how when Yeshua came, we know that he came, he never, um, while he was on earth, while he was in his human body, he said that I'm the son, that I'm the son of God. He always said I'm the son of man. And because he came, he had to come here as a human because right. he couldn't come as God because otherwise he, he couldn't, he would be um, going against his own laws. He gave us authority right. over the earth. So as a human, he come in and defeat the enemy mm-hmm. and show us how to do it. So somebody, um, Beth and I was saying last night, like when people are like, oh, Lord, get the devil off of me. Jesus is like, I already went to the cross. Yeah, I already gave you authority over that. Yeah, um, the devil's not on you. Why are you yeah, pretending like he is? Putting shit on your feet. Yeah. Why is he on yeah. your back? You know, and we're talking about the, the blood, the mm-hmm. power of the blood and the power of his name. And he said, I, and I think it's Luke 10, 19. It says, I give you all authority over the power of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you have authority, power is one thing. But when you have authority, that's... And and the and what what Paul says just res, just resist resist the devil he'll mm-hmm. flee just right. so really it's just close to God too. right yeah. right but I mean but that and that's part of resisting but mm-hmm. at that point where you just go yeah no not gonna work yeah you know it doesn't even have to be an aggressive thing it's yeah. it's really just a 
yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not believing that lie. I'm not, I'm not buying into this fear. I'm not going to surrender to this manipulation. No, that is not who I am. Never help me figure it out anyway. Yeah, I'm. I'll just keep. You know, I'm gonna do what God. I'm gonna do the task God gave me to do. Trust He's doing His part, and it's all good. So, absolutely, we have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in His place, as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. And he will spread out his hands in the midst of, a, of it as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands and the high fortifications of his walls. He will bring down, lay low and cast to the ground, to the dust. So, and there, this is speaking to the cultural context of some specific things that will happen because Moab coming against them. And, and so it's, I, I love that a lot of the, you know, there's references to the end of days, but there's references to what's going to happen now. And and it's one of the things that struck me back at the beginning of this chapter when he was talking about, I will, you know, I will rejoice for you have laid low the glorious city, mm-hmm. which is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But if you if you step back and think about that heavenly perspective, and and I just thinking from a prophetic perspective when you see the things happen that God has shown you and told you are going to happen even the negative things or the things that are not fun mm-hmm. the hard things that you have to go through to get to here it's a good thing because it's confirmation that he is doing the things he said which means we're going to eventually get to and I think that's why it's compared to birth pain Mm-hmm. Contraction can be inc- excruciating. Yeah. Usually, if it hurts, it means you need to get into a different position. Right. right. So when our life is, it, when we're feeling that, it usually means we need to be doing something different. Mm-hmm. We need to be in a different place, in a different perspective, um, with a different goal for that time. Mm-hmm. And so... When we understand, and I, one of the things that that I struggle with and, and get frustrated with is that our society has lost so much knowledge of birth and the beautiful message that God gives us relating things to birth pains is lost on a epidural and C-section society. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. we want we want the God who comes in and opiates our yeah. pain. You know, we want the God who comes in and um, and and you know what? If we're the remnant, then we shouldn't have to experience anything. You know, as opposed to yeah, we're the remnant. Where do you want us? Yeah, and no, what do you want us doing? Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, the Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, there's giants in there. But if God's going to give it to us, we'll be fine. Who cares? We're giants, you know. We just left. Did you see what he did in Egypt? You know, and so so there's this uh, there's this idea. You know, it's I know in my own life when I've when I've seen the hard things that would come and the good that would come after it. I'm able to stand strong and have faith and hold out hope in this because the negative he said was happening is was going to happen is happening. That means the good is going to happen. Exactly. And, and you know, that's why, that surprise. right. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I, I would remind myself with each pregnancy was, yeah, it's the, the birth is going to be really hard, but afterwards you get a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's an amazing baby. And so, so as we, you know, when Isaiah starts out saying, you know what, I'm rejoicing because it's happening. It's not a, a creepy, abusive, yeah, you brought it on, man. They deserve that and you took them out. It's more, you're confirming that the things you showed me are happening, which means I know we're going to an awesome place. This, this is going to end well. Let's just get through this. This has to happen. You know, when you detox, Mm. detox is not fun, but if you can remember why you're doing it and why, you know, and you, and you need to get that out of your system, whatever, whether it's, you know, sickness or, or just toxic buildup or drugs or alcohol, like anything that you're getting out of you, that drawing out hurts. It's painful. It's unpleasant. But on the other end. And and actually, like you you said, as long as you know that he's with you and you're going through it, it actually, it purifies you. Right. And it gets rid of the garbage and stuff. And then actually it draws you closer to him. Right. You know? And I I know the other day too, um, I was in a meeting and somebody said that God won't give you more than he than you can handle. Yeah, that's one of one oh one. No, yeah. Christian myth one oh one. No, he it, won't give you more than he can handle. Right. Yeah. It actually says he will not what the verse that they're misquoting mm-hmm. is he will that God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand up under without providing a way of escape. Right. Yeah. So he'll he'll allow you to be tempted to beyond what you can stand up under. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take the way of escape, then you will fall. Yeah. And he will help you back up yeah. when you're ready. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're ready? Yeah. You have to do it as well. That's right. I, I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. Let me know. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah, still have free I, you know, it's kind of, but it's kind of like when you're trying to rescue someone who's drowning. Mm. Um, and and I forget who was it. Was it you who was saying? I don't remember who was saying, but that they were actually taught if you when you go out, you have to wait for the person to stop fighting. Yeah, somebody. I think somebody's saying that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you start, and if they start fighting you again, you have to let go. You both go down. Right, mm-hmm. right, and and God has boundaries. And he's not going to violate our boundaries. If you, you know, which is why it, it, a lot of times when people pray for, people want prayer for things that God doesn't do. Mm-hmm. It, it gives me pause. I'm, I always struggle with how to respond. You know, people are saying, well, pray that God will make my husband do blood. Oh, yeah. Well, 
if your husband doesn't want to, God's not going to violate his free will and force him to do it. God's wooing him already. God's putting that out there as something he could be open to, that God is, God's already on that. I mean, I'll pray for his heart to soften. I'll pray that, that labors yeah, in the field. Yeah, that, that God will bring more people than, you know, to, to give that message. Right. Right. And if you're, because if you're praying for God, well, <coughs> just even on a simple level, I was reading from a rabbi at one point talking about how we don't, God, we're, we're never supposed to pray for something to not be what it already is. Mm. So so the example he used was if you're driving home and a fire engine goes by, it's not right to pray, oh God, please don't let that be my house that's on fire. Mm. <laughs> because if, right, if it already is your house that's on fire, yeah, you're asking God to undo reality. Right, right. And and it doesn't show a it doesn't really show trust in God because if it is your house on fire, now you blame God. right, right. You know, it's 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 a frivolous prayer. Yeah, it's a frivolous one. And I don't even think a child would pray like that. I mean, it's very, it's very selfish, first of all. Well, it is because yeah. what? Oh, so you want it to be somebody, somebody else's house? You know? Well, and that's one of the things where people go, oh. You know, but for the grace of God, go I. And it's like, so that person didn't have God's grace? Yeah. I don't like that. You know, yeah. And and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, one of the things with Thomas Talks that, that I'm trying to work on, on how to explain with different ideas is if, if we don't know how to explain something without using all of our in the club phrases, we don't really understand it. Mm. You know, if we don't know how to explain it to somebody who doesn't already know the terminology. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of things that, that are phrases and things we say within Christianity and different things somewhat within, you know, the Messianic community. There are things that people say that, and, and because I know what they mean, I don't necessarily disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not offended when somebody says something, but there are things that when I hear it, I go, wow, if I were not already aware of what they meant or or just even off-putting just what the heck is that and i mean there are some things that i hear that i go i even know what that means and i think it's a creepy way to say it you know (laughs) just it's just really but moving beyond that terminology to communicating the actual ideas that's why one of the things that i've been struggling with how to flesh out and actually write is on you know with the about us page where people say what we believe and we believe this blah blah and i and i want to find ways to express the ideas with no inside term insider mm-hmm. terminology mm-hmm. i want to really communicate 
the concept and explain it, not rely on, you know, the word somebody goes, well, okay, they say, oh, yeah, they use those words, so they're a safe yeah. thing. <laughs> because anybody coming in who doesn't know what those words mean doesn't know what they mean. What they mean. Right. And sometimes they might say these words that you know to look for, but then they also say these words that you don't realize you should be cautioned by. Right. And, and when you read them, if you don't know what the words mean, they're not actually explaining anything to you. Right. You have to already be in right. to understand right. it. And then most times you don't even understand them because you already know where their head is at. Right. They're just trying to sound all Christian. Right. Yeah. And and I I found that when I when I'm talking with people who who are professed Christians mm-hmm. and they say those buzzwords and those those phrases and I go, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> they don't always know. And they don't expect you to. to right. Them. Well, it means. Exactly what it means. And what is that? Yeah, what does it mean to you? Yeah. What, because I've actually encountered people who understand it differently in like mm-hmm. lots of different ways. And and I sometimes I'll be observing two people talking and they're using all the same words and they're saying completely different things. Yeah. And you start, you're like, I don't think you guys are actually agreeing. And sometimes because they're using different words, they think they're fighting and they're not. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, I know that your your history and faith, you know, uses this phrase to mean this and yours mean, it's the same idea. Right. But because they're not using the same language. Mm-hmm. So trying to step outside of that. And so when I, when I'm, you know, try, so I, I, I like, I like that God so often uses analogies, mm-hmm. not insider words. Right. Things that the general, that's what Paul said. When I'm with these people, I do this. Right. And, do this, and that's what the young know, Fontaine does. Contemporary, yeah. that's what he does. And that's. He's not trying to puff himself up, but to fit in with the. Right. I want to communicate to the people I'm with mm-hmm. in a way they can so hear me. Can. Not be, and, and not because, and, and this is, this is where, um, one of the things that a lot of missionaries have had to, to learn, and, and I just am looking at the change of like how missions are done over the years. You don't fit in with them so that you can figure out how to tell them about Jesus to get them saved. You fit into them as you get to know them right. because you love them, right. you love them and you care about them. And God may bring that to to something, you know, bringing them to him. But that's God's job. Right. He's sending you to love them and be there and to share what motivates you to do all the things you do in your life with these people you love who may or may not know him. And, And the rest is up to him. Right. So... When we're when we are trying to understand how to communicate with people, it's not to get them saved; it's to love them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and and one of one of the things that I find when I talk to people who are not part of the church, who aren't who aren't Christians, and and I I see it more and more ever since I became aware of it is very often when you know, like even online when there's conflict in something. And, and a Christian will say something using these trigger words that mean one thing to them, but 
literally may mean something else or, you know, if you if you don't understand what that insider message is. And then the conversation devolves into the Christian trying to explain and apologize. No, no, I really want you to understand. I'm saying, you know, and I'm only saying it because God loves you. And they, and nowhere are they listening. Right. Love is, love is action. It's not right. You gotta say I love you, but love is not showing. Right. And so, they, when they stop listening, that's when people, okay. And it reinforces their experience with so many people. And and I think it's because the evangelical world has made evangelism this aggressive thing. Mm -hmm. Even like you're saying, put on that armor, go out there and fight. No. Just be motivated by love. Love your neighbor. First of all, put on love. Right. Yeah. And and Paul even says, if I have all the best words Mm -hmm. and no love, Mm -hmm. I'm a clanging brass. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear me. Right. So we, the idea of becoming all things to all people isn't for the purpose of winning them to Christ. It's for the purpose of taking God's love into communities that it's not there. And they'll know, they'll know when they see it and it's genuine. It's something they've never seen before. Right. And then they want it. Right. They thirst and hunger for it. It's like, man, you still don't have to say his name. Right. Because it's all over you. Right. Yeah. And I it makes me think of the and I know I've mentioned this before, but with the whole when the whole servant evangelism thing was coming out and and this one group I guess had gone these kids were out waiting for this heavy metal concert getting tickets kind of thing and so they went and they just set up a little stand and they were handing out water to the kids in line and and they were all skeptical. Why? Why are you doing? Do I have to pay for this? What are you doing? What's, you know, what, what's your? I don't believe what you guys believe, you know, or whatever. And when they'd say, "Why are you doing this?" They'd say, "Because we love you. We saw you out here. You were hot, and we wanted to come and and make sure that nobody got sick today. You know. Well, why? Why would you do that? Well, Jesus loves you, and He told us to love you, so we love you. Here, have some water. And they said lots, lots of the kids would break down and cry because wow. nobody had ever told, told them they loved them. Yeah. And just that mere simple act. Right. Simple act. Just like going out of your little comfort zone. Right. And thinking about somebody who's And no them. strings attached. No, yeah. I'm giving you water. Now you have to listen to the message yeah, of salvation. Yeah. yeah. Here's your water and your track. Yeah. You know, just yeah. here's your water. Yeah. Here's the water. And, and it's very... It's very freeing to realize it's not our job to save people. It it's is. our job to love people. Yes. <laughs> the way he loves us. Yeah, the way he loves us. Mm-hmm. And that freedom is so powerful. And that's why love is powerful. And mm-hmm. love multiplies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking with someone last night and saying, you know, about the fact that Another person may never express their experience of God with the same words that I do. But that doesn't make them any less aware of what God's doing in their life than I am. If I can only believe that someone knows God when they use the words of my insider lingo... then I will 
discount and assume lots of people unsaved mm -hmm. because they're not using the right words. Right. And that's part of why we're not supposed to judge where someone else is with God or mm -hmm. assume anything about them. We're just supposed to love them. And love doesn't, love is not permissive. Love is not boundaryless. Love doesn't say, you know, do whatever. You know, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. Right, right. And that's not love. That's codependency or, or you know, just flat out doormat land, you know, whatever. So, so you know, love, and that's why first with love is patient and kind. You know, it doesn't result, it doesn't rejoice in evil. It rejoices with the truth. But... You know, I, I'm not going to be all, yeah, look at your sin, high five, pull that <laughs> off today, you know. But at the same time, I don't have to condemn it either or keep a record of it. That's not my job unless they're sitting against me and then I need to go work it out with them. But but if I can, if I'm, if I love them and I'm in a relationship with them, I will, I will, be aware of those moments where I can rejoice when, the, when there's truth coming from them. Mm -hmm. And it, the more I can rejoice with those moments of truth, you know, that there's so many times I'll talk, to, I'll be talking to people and they'll say something and I'll go, yes, I completely agree with you. That's actually in the Bible. Paul said it this way, but that's what he meant. Mm -hmm. so and they'll go, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> yeah. Then they, then they feel more connected. Right. Because they say, like, wow, I am connected, even though I didn't know it. Right. Know it. Yeah. You know, and it's and to me, I see it as, I already see God at work in your life. You may not understand it. You may never understand it in the words that I do, but I see God at work in your life. He's, he's, work, he's there. And... Whatever is going on in you and in your past experience and in what you were taught or how you were treated that that makes you not want to know whatever that God that that person was talking about or who you think that God. I'll push all that aside. I see that the God of the universe is at work in you, and that's good. Yeah. I'm going to rejoice in that. And you can only see that when you're in relationship with them. And, and they... And they, they they probably know it, but now it's a confirmation. Yeah, and it gives them encouragement. Especially when I can, when you can do that, and not try to make them change the language to talk about right. it. You know, right. it's like if you go to live in France, mm -hmm. learn French. Yeah, you know, yeah, and and if you are visiting there, that's one thing, mm -hmm. but you can't expect them to change for you. To, you still got to learn how to say thank you yeah. in the mannerisms. Or like, where's the bathroom? I mean, learn some, yeah. <laughs> learn the yeah. important that's stuff, you know. Of, <laughs> but too often evangelism is treated like going on a tour somewhere, going on a vacation somewhere. I'm going to go, I'm going to go drop into that community for a little while and have an impact. And, and real missionaries go and live there and that's their home. Because they love those people and they love that area and they want to be there living there. And and that's why when you're the speaking the truth in love is not, well, I love you, so I'm going to speak some hard truth to you. 
it's we have a relationship that is in the context of love and I know you'll be able to hear me when I say this. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of times where I will, I will know what someone needs to be confronted on and I will pray that God will either show me if it's supposed to be me and give me that moment where I know the love is so great that and the ears will be hearing mm-hmm. And if it's not me, then bring someone else who can speak those words in a way they need to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's very much, you know, that's why I've come to see prophecy. A lot of the church will say prophecy. They'll define the gift of, you know, when people are sinning and you feel called to go and call them out. And, I, and I'm like, no, that is not the gift of prophecy. That's, that's. That's the curse of rudeness. (laughs) That's called speaking the truth without love. (laughs) And yet we, you know, what I've come to understand prophecy as is being given access to the heart of God so that you can know what he wants to do in a situation and, and what he wants, which is what Isaiah is talking about here. The negative stuff that's happening, the hard stuff that you showed me, it's happening. But I, I'm rejoicing because I see where we're going with this. I know what your heart is and what you're moving us towards. I know that this is necessary to get us to that next place where you're taking us. That's the gift of prophecy. And praying that into being and partnering with God in it and saying, yeah, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to be? Yes. And so that's why Isaiah can start this with, you are amazing and awesome and you're doing what you said you would do. This is powerful. Yeah. Which if you don't understand that, you'd be like, yeah, why is he rejoicing that they were destroyed? Right. And, and that's, and that is how a lot of people read it. Yeah. Because they don't understand. Because they haven't been taught. Yeah. Because, you know. <laughs> it is. It is. So he says, the Lord will, he says, uh, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain and Moab shall be trampled down in his place as straw is trampled down in a dunghill, which is really straw in the dunghill. It's the composting. Mm. That's a picture of, you know, you throw the, the straw on there and it creates heat and moisture that, that breaks it down and then you start turning it. Um, and so he's, he's composting it. You know, he's, re, he's returning it to its organic state. Mm-hmm. Where it's going to be helpful. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's taking a pile of poop mm-hmm. and turning it into rich soil. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yes, and he will spread out his hands in the midst of it, the midst of it, this dunghill with straw. He will spread out his hands in the midst of it, like a, as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. So God is the energy that is going through that dunghill and heating it up and turning it into organic dirt. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. 
and the high fortifications of his walls he will bring down, lay low and cast to the ground to the dust. You know, it'll all be broken down. It'll, it's from the, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if it's a, the sugar or the protein, it's all going to be broken down to, you know, to the basic of what it is. So there's just a couple of verses left. I think this is the, oh no, this is actually starting chapter 26. I, 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 we can stop now. We can do 26 next time. Cause that was, unless you want to keep going, I feel like there's a lot already that I, I want to like meditate on yeah. and not get too far ahead yeah. and be like, oh, sure. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to just stuff it down and put some more stuff down. Right, right. I don't want to be the dunghill with yeah. straw. You know, <laughs> <I'm> be bloated. <laughs> I'm spiritually bloated today. You know, <laughs> that's, that's kind of bloated. It is. It is. Your pants still fit. <laughs> but may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen.